Hello and welcome to all of our listeners. I'm Jan Schweigel. And I'm Lars Kupi. And welcome to Tech Point Charlie. Episode 1. Yeah, good, good morning indeed. <laughs> yeah, how are you doing today? I feel like a dumpster fire. How are you? <laughs> I am actually feeling good, quite excited. Maybe for all of you, our listeners who don't know us yet, we are a couple and we also have a small child. So we didn't sleep last, uh, last night so well, which is fine actually because we're kind of used to it by now. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. So last, tell me, um, why a podcast? Why are we doing this? Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts and... I have a lot of conversation with you, and um, after listening to many, many different things and having a lot of conversations with my engineers, where I work as an engineering manager, um, I figured out that I have a very skewed perspective, because I listen to engineering podcasts that are engineering topics only, hmm, okay. uh, or sometimes I even listen to product podcasts that are product people only, and the perspective is very specific. And only when I come to you and I talk to you, or pillow talks, or at least venting sessions, I realize that I get different perspectives and the conversation that we, we have are more interesting and they're actually more productive than the things that I tend to listen to. Yeah, I, uh, for those of you who don't know, so I'm a product owner and yeah, so you're an engineering manager and I guess that what makes our intersectional talks quite interesting because we both you know read online and follow podcasts and blogs and read books and are very interested in uh, improving uh, our point of view and our careers and our methods of working uh, by ourselves with the, the teams but we often you know as everyone get home and we have a lot to vent about and those things turned out to be mostly when we try to apply something that we know could work well but we have not necessarily resistance, but, you know, frictions with other roles or with the team members. And since we're all trying to kind of work towards the same things, it could be very frustrating because, you know, you're trying to bring the best thing to the team. And usually you find out that um, it's not what you thought exactly because you're trying to bring in your method uh, and you kind of come across some resistance that you didn't really consider. And in most cases, those blogs or articles don't really tell me, you know, what I did wrong or why the friction even happened in the first place. And we found that in our conversations, we're able to crack this up. Yeah, we challenge each other. So yeah, so after we've done that a couple of times already, I guess for a while, uh, you came to me last week and you said, you know what, let's just record those and have other people enjoy those conversations, maybe benefit from them. Yeah, definitely. And I basically wanted someone to, that I would have a good dynamic with, someone that I actually know I can talk to, <laughs> um, and someone that's not in the same uh, position as me, as an yeah. engineering manager, and you're, you're as a product owner, we actually have different perspectives. So I thought, why not? So I feel obligated now that everyone heard that I came up with a podcast. As an engineer, I feel obligated to ask you, the product owner, what's the motivation of our users? Or in our case, what's the motivation of our listeners to stick around? Why, why should people listen to what we have to say? Well, I guess uh, stick around if it's interesting for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, as I said before, the, I think the main benefit is to actually hear a conversation. And um, we don't really plan, so we don't have, you know, fully written scripts or something. So it's not something that we can then just publish as an article. That there is a bit more dynamic in that conversation. And I think also when you read things, you're missing the tone. Um, and you can hear this from different roles when you talk about a specific method or, or a topic. And there is a lot to benefit from that. And even if you don't, you know, I don't think we're going to get concrete answers to concrete problems. But maybe the discussion around it can spark some insight in you that you can then bring to your to your office or to your role yeah sounds awesome i'm, I'm sold i'm gonna listen to it i say then let's jump right in yeah let's do that okay what's our topic for today so i guess um a thing that is repeating like in our industry is uh the topic of user stories <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of people know them from you know agile methods and it's something that became really familiar in the last few years it's a kind of a standard at the moment. Um, and as a product owner, I hear a lot people, you know, are telling me, you know, you should write all the stories. And then sometimes I say, um, I think you should write some too. Me? 
Yeah. I'm not gonna write any of them. <laughs> uh, I think you will. <laughs> Maybe oh. after this conversation. But you know, so this is something that is being repeated uh, in various companies that I've been in. So uh, a couple of here in Berlin and a couple in Israel, where we came from. Um, and a lot of engineers kind of tell me, uh, you're the product owner. Uh, you should write the stories. Just make the definition. Completely write the acceptance criteria. We should just take a task, completely understand it, and be able to execute it, or tell you how much it is, and that uh, then execute it. Sounds normal to me thus far. Right. Um, but I actually argue that, yeah, it's my responsibility, obviously, to make sure that things are rolling and moving and that we know where they're going. But why wouldn't you write user stories? Maybe I can ask you that. Oh, you're, you're serious about this stuff? Yeah. Okay, then. Well, first, I'll say this. Um, how I see things right now, engineers, they're usually very busy. They have their own role, their specification. And I found it to be very helpful for my engineers when they work, they have an interface, they get to a user story. It's, they've discussed the things there, but mm -hmm. they shouldn't write it themselves because in the end, someone else does the legwork, at least the research. And then if they understand what's going on, they can just basically start working from a product that's working. So technically, if you had a conversation and there's a list of user stories, you would expect as an engineering manager that, you know, it's ready enough so anyone can pick anything up and just work on it. Yeah, basically. And just ask, execute. Definitely. What if I told you that I think I shouldn't write all the stories? So basically, there are types of stories that I shouldn't write at all. Okay. Not a single line. <laughs> okay. And there are stories which uh, I would write, but they would not necessarily be complete without the conversation with the developers. Okay, I would say let's start with the first example. What are stories that you shouldn't write at all? Hmm. So let's say that you have a conversation with your team and, uh, or you know, even a you know, coffee talk conversation, like uh, just lunch talk and you're talking about monitoring or some uh, new trend that came up that you want to try out, um, some framework, whatever. Uh, these things, you know, happen all the time because our industry changes fast. And you want to bring it to the conversation or actually work on this. So for me as a product manager, a product owner, I have to manage the complete overload and see an overview of things where we put uh, our efforts and invest our time. Uh, and some people come to me and say, yeah, let's do this framework. Or actually even worse, they kind of don't. So <laughs> they think, you know, I'm writing the stories about what this interaction should look like or what service this should be, but uh, not how it should operate. Which, to that, I would say, yeah, definitely, there are different frameworks and it's not necessarily my role to decide which framework it is. But sometimes when you want to investigate a new framework or incorporate it, it takes some effort and time. And people expect to just have that time without even having a conversation about, you know, whether should we even do that or not. And in that case, I would just tell you or any other developers, why not write up a story or a task and just bring it to our conversation where we sit and talk about those things? I'm surprisingly sold on, that, on this matter. <laughs> really? That was yeah, that like, easy. Yeah, it was a very easy pitch. But honestly, I think the clear distinction here that those are not user stories, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when engineers talk about frameworks or basically they talk about how to reshape their architecture about design patterns or even things that they need to write up, those are technical tickets. I wouldn't, because the user perspective doesn't exist if you're going to change something that the user really wouldn't feel. So I guess in that regards, I would say definitely engineers should actually bring those to the table. And then we will have our planning or grooming sessions where we negotiate what goes in and out because part of the product and engineering part is the pull and tug kind of situation mm -hmm. where product needs to actually push forward and engineers, they need to kind of pull back a bit and then say, we also need to main do maintenance. We need to have, these are tickets that we need to take care of while we do user stories things. So, yep, I'm sold on that. Well, I guess there is a good distinction between user stories and tasks in that matter. But I think uh, the lacking part of the conversation is that if those are tasks, then uh, usually uh, developers would say then the product owner is not, should not be involved at all. And it's true that for some conversations, uh, maybe I'm not needed there to make the decision. But since we have a very limited pool of time, those things need to be on the table along with the user stories. Does it really happen? Like, you get people doing work with unnegotiated, not planned. Yeah, that happened a lot. 
because they would say exactly kind of from your perspective, it's not a user story. Therefore, it's not a decision to be made. And therefore, it's a conversation that I could have with my friend or with my manager outside this framework and we can just uh, decide. How did they justify that in a planning session though? So at some point, it wasn't a part even from the planning session. It's something you kind of find out later. And uh, in that sense, it's easier for me to maybe, you know, generalize a little bit when you try to bring things to people's attention and say, you know, everything is a ticket, everything is a user story. And it could be a bit daunting at first, but when you actually use it as a communication tool, which in the uh, origins of agile methods, this is what it was meant to be, Definitely. not just like a tool, um, but to actually enhance the communication, then uh, I find it very helpful. So yeah, if you want to state it as a task, great. But let's say, let me challenge you there because you said, all right, I'm sold, great. Uh, so you write user stories and I write tasks, which again, I would challenge you on that because I think for user stories, developers should be involved Bring in writing. On. But yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, but for tasks, for example, I uh, let's pretend you have written one or your developer like brought something that says, uh, try this framework um, and a link or something like that. And that comes to grooming. A lot of the times, and I think this is a different perspective here, I find that uh, for uh, the IT team, they feel that this is a completely clear task, which basically says, here's a green light to investigate and put some effort. And that's the end of the conversation. And I, too, I would say, is it really? Like, uh, what's the perspective on that? Like, why is the, uh, those tasks written in that way? Why not make it a bit more specific? Maybe you can like enlighten me where this comes from. Sure. So first of all, if you want to try something out, let's start with there needs to be a reason. Um, and a lot of the times engineers and engineering managers, they want to try stuff because it's cool. And that's not the case yeah. that we're trying to address here. So let's say in the organization that we are hypothetically working at right now, we have some OKRs, which is objective key results, which is a system basically where each team, they have their own objectives. and and in the end, they need to measure it with a result, measurable of a success criteria or not. And let's say in that case, because that's the example I want to play with, and not I want to try a framework because it's cool. We bring something in, but we don't always know what's going to happen. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the times, if you want to try a framework and you think it's going to, you have an objective and you think this framework might lead to a result, you want to say, that's the expected result, but I don't have a clue how to get there. Right. A very simple example is always, I don't know, um, improved performance on a database. Let's right. say that's something that's a problem. And we want to try, okay, let's move to a new set of database. Let's move our search to Elastic. Yep. It, was all, it was written in SQL, and now let's move our search to Elastic. Easy peasy. We don't have the expertise. We don't really know how to do that because we've never used Elastic before. Mm -hmm. So it's basically saying, let's put our search in Elastic and figure it out from there. Right. So I, I get where this is coming from, and I know that not all changes can be defined in advance, and that's fine. And sometimes you have to kind of think out of the box and say, it's not improving something specific per se, but it could contribute to overall you know, strategy or performance or uh, development, and we should do something. But f to me, as a product owner, it's way too general. Um, I would need at least, so you know, at the end of the day, I know you're managing your team, uh, but I have to kind of answer to where we spend our time uh, because, you know, time costs money. And when we look at our uh, weekly plans, monthly plans, quarterly, yearly plans, eventually we spend, we spend time on things and that time costs money and we have goals to reach to. And sometimes uh, it's so funny. I've had that like a couple of weeks ago and someone said, what do two days matter? Like, why do you care? <laughs> Um, it's just two more days. Yeah, but when these things accumulate and we don't, if we don't do it mindfully, then they accumulate to a lot of time that is spent um, without a specific purpose. So to me, I would say, you know what? Write up that task, bring it to the table, and then we can communicate on it. Definitely. But, That's basically the idea of communication first. Yeah, um, right. But what I'm lacking, and maybe this is something that we can like, uh, I can suggest to enhance, is... I, I tell the developers that I work with right now, add a one sentence, one liner that tells me why we're doing this or kind of what we're trying to achieve. And that at least puts on the table, you know, in a very clear, a very clear purpose of like, we want to experiment or this is cool or potentially this could affect this and that, or it's trying to solve a specific problem. And um, 
I guess if I throw the ball back to you and I would say, you know what, let's agree that we have some sort of purpose. What do we do now? How do you budget that time? If you were me, how would you make that decision? Well, basically, we're in a complete agreement here. Like, I agree with you completely. Uh, I think it's part of the engineering manager's role, tech lead, senior, whatever setup you have there, to answer to the objective of the year. And if you can answer to why what you're doing is actually going to be in time, cost-effective, or development-friendly, which ends up being cost-effective, or actually enhance user experience by what we can do in the future, go for it. And if you write the ticket, and we're talking about the, the technical ticket, not the user, uh, user story ticket, and you bring it into a planning session, you negotiate it. And part of the negotiation is that's the objective of what we have. That's the result we expect. And then that's negotiated with the product person because in the end, that's the, the game. So I'm with you. So in your perspective, a product person should be a part of that conversation. Oh, yeah, definitely. In the history of where, I don't know, different places I worked for. or mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to name names, I guess. Yeah, let's, let's have a nameless kind of podcast. Yeah. So if we even give examples of people we work with, we call them product X, engineer Y. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We want to okay. like keep privacy stuff. And... Exactly. So let's say I worked at... Company X, um, where I, <laughs> company X that I worked for, um, we had a complete separation where product was a product team, engineering was engineering team, mm-hmm. and yeah, so a lot of the times we had a lot of problems because engineers felt there are different ways to do things, there are different motivations, and product people always felt engineers are just a bunch of blockers. They come up to a meeting once a week and they present a solution to things that they actually worked on for a week, two, mm-hmm. three. And engineers sat there and they were like, that's not going to work. This is really stupid. In engineering, and of course in engineering fashion, they said the most bluntest thing ever as well. Or just sitting quietly with a (laughs) grunt. (laughs) Yes, which is, I think, even more aggressive than actually just saying it's really stupid. Again, not bad intention. It's not from that perspective. It's just kind of, yeah, the the common thing to see. uh, It happens. So, yeah, you sit there and and you feel like, why didn't you ask me before? Yeah. Why didn't you just, why did you work on it for a week or two? And that's actually Which really Which is a long nice. time. It is, it is. And, and this is where having more of the feature team, product team kind of concept, I mm-hmm. actually find to be more motivating, but it still is not perfect. And it's not perfect because even as you described it right now, and my feeling, my feeling is at least that it's something that you've also experienced, is you go into the meetings and they said, people sneak work into whatever because to your sprint, your iteration, and they just kind of do it without telling you because technically it's not your role to know. Yeah, exactly. At what point would you then uh, recommend a developer to just kind of, you know, send a set, uh, send a chat message or walk over to the product owner and say something? Because I can't know exactly, you know, all the conversations that are happening, especially if they're technical, because... The, the conception is that uh, I shouldn't be a part of it or naturally I'm not a part of it. So so we basically probably have a point of interaction. So mm-hmm. I would say go ask your product owner a question if you don't understand a user story all the time. Yeah. Like literally the, the entire concept is you read a user story. It's there to not give you all the answers but to give you the basic idea. Yeah. And if you're not sure go and ask the person. It's super easy and, mm-hmm. and it's don't expect like a contract. Like a user story is not a contract between a product person and an engineer. Yeah, well, maybe we can get to user story like in a minute, but stay on the, the task thing. Because okay. I think for, for us, it's very clear, but maybe from your perspective of managing engineering teams, you can kind of convey at what point or why should you even like go in and tell a product owner that you're trying to or want to like try out this framework. Like what could be the benefits or why should they know? As I already kind of mentioned, I think from the task perspective, first of all, there is a roadmap. And those things, even though taking in time to mm-hmm. into it, they're not taking into the day-to-day. You kind of need to mention that those things are popping up. Right. Um, so a person who's actually planning their work according to chunks of time and, and bringing that chunk of time to the developers, to the engineers on, hey, sprint start, these are the user stories I prepared for you. Mm-hmm. So if you basically come and say, hey, we have those things that we're planning to put in, you would free up that person to do other things that are maybe, I don't know, more future thinking, more vision thinking, more planning the next product or even objectives that we have for the year to come. So you, you are actually basically just coordinating about time. And also as an engineer, 
part of their importance is to raise the red flag a bit. And, and a red flag means, hey, we want to try something out. There is a, a risk to impact metrics that mm-hmm. each person needs to have in their mind, right? If you come up and you say, I want to try this out. It's high risk, high reward. You want to talk about that. Right. Yeah. So if it's, I would say, don't annoy everyone on, on a day-to-day. Don't come to your product owner immediately on a day-to-day if you want to try like refactoring on the go and you're just like basically t- touching some minor cl- classes that are not affecting anyone. You don't need to talk about that. Like those things that you see, oh, there's a small thing here on the class. I'm already working on a feature. I'm just going to tidy it up. There's like mm-hmm. a minor design flaw that I've noticed. It's all good. But once you're doing something bigger than that, right. the right thing to do wouldn't just be let your product person know. Let your engineering manager know. Let your team know. Because if you're doing something alone, and no one knows what you're doing, in the end, it might explode. Or it might delay the project, it might affect your colleagues, or you might even miss information that someone already tried it. And yeah, if you're you can, not saying that... You should then, avoid double work, for yeah. example. But the thing is, you said, uh, you know, if you refactor here and there, and that's a big rabbit hole, which we're not going to get into right now, but I think you can like create some thumb roll with very little con- like conversation and communication, and for us, for example, where I work right now, I said, you know, if it's something that takes you an hour, fine. If it's a coffee break kind of thing, fine. Uh, but if something is taking you several hours and you find that you spend more time with it, just let me know. And the thing is that when you said, uh, you know, we have a point of, of meeting between the uh, departments or roles uh, like grooming or estimation or stand up and all those uh, meetings, that, uh, ceremonies that we have and, you know, agile mm-hmm. uh, methods. Um these are good places to bring those up because it doesn't have to be super formal. Um, and as you said, sometimes uh, product owners kind of bring the stories and developers sit there and kind of nod. And there is a feeling of maybe they're trying to not challenge in a good way, but block it. And that's definitely, I'm sure, not the intention uh, when you're working together. Uh, but sometimes it's the other way around. Also, when um, I get the feeling that some developers kind of feel if I go and tell my product owner that I'm trying this thing out, uh, she might say, oh, no, don't do that. You know, we have this planned and I will be completely blocked. And I kind of get a sense that sometimes that type of fear is what's avoiding, like, is blocking people from approaching and saying that. And maybe it's a good place to clarify that that's not the point of this. So. Yeah, if you come and tell me, I want to work the whole week right now on something, maybe I say, all right, hold on, uh, let's think this through. And that can that delay can maybe be a bit frustrating. But the reason for me to say that is not because I want to block you from doing that, but to actually see where it has value and whether there is a good opportunity to actually allow that investigation in time. For example, if you're doing it on a feature that we're likely to like shut down soon, then what's the benefit there? There's no benefit, but if you're gonna build something completely new and you wanna use a cool framework, not even if it's like more helpful, but it's very cool, you know, there is no reason to block this if it's in the right timing and framework. So I actually wanna enable that time for things that are appropriate. So maybe this is a message also to, to get out there. Yeah, I agree. I think basically it should come from both sides though. Mm-hmm. Because if, for example, you as a product owner, you can relay the objective and the goal to the engineers, then they shouldn't even come and ask you because we are in line, we're in sync. We know where we're going, so I can do those things because I know, oh, that's actually going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I I can let my product person know on my daily. Because I I feel like the small interruptions of going and asking the product puts a spotlight on what you're gonna ask. So if I come to you uh, one day and say, hey, I wanna try this out, it's basically, it puts a giant spotlight on me coming to you on while you were working and then you need to think about something. Yeah. But when you do things on a... That's where the process helps and processes are basically like Yeah, it creates opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It creates the opportunity where you say something in a place that you expect to hear it. It doesn't mm-hmm. spotlight the thing. It's basically saying, hey, we have this objective. Uh, I feel like if I do this thing, we might lead to this result if it in lines with the strategy and it's not a big risk. And... It, it's something that I would even, like, if the person would frame the same thing by just coming to the product person and just saying exactly the same thing, but in non-kind of processing meeting. Yeah, in the appropriate time. Yeah, it might just make it sound bigger to the other person as against, if you would say, it's it on a, a daily. Point. Yeah, I actually yeah. really kind of like doing those. 
if it's not a big deal, just wait for the daily kind of. Yeah, because there's like potentially there's a daily opportunity, and in that morning, in that stand up, or right after, even if you don't want to do it like in front of everyone, which is also fine sometimes, you know. Yeah. But you're already in that context of like, uh, let's give uh, each other like you know small updates and have some questions, and then it's like more. Um, yeah, the scale is maybe more manageable or perceived as something that's more manageable. That's true. Yeah. However, if you don't have a daily stand up for whatever reason. I would not uh, wait, you know, a week or something. If you don't have a daily stand-up, then what are you doing? Like, yeah, seriously, well, no, that's I, a different not... topic. Let's not go into this. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, no, just, uh... Yeah, that's true. And I completely agree with you. And I think our industry is very much in line with that. Yeah. But still, there are companies and maybe people that are listening don't have that. Or maybe they couldn't convince their manager I'm to do that. I'm recommending you to have it then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, even so, you know, there are coffee breaks. And there yeah. are times where people are still are open you know their eyes and ears are open and you can have those conversations you just have to kind of look out in a positive way for those moments uh or maybe even just send a uh, send a chat message or an email saying like when you have a minute let's have a, a coffee or something or just you know kind of meet up to, to talk have a five minute walk and talk about that so those you can create those opportunities if they're missing all right but let's not divert from our main oh, yes, topic no. because we talked about tasks and uh, technical tasks and you know th those things and where communication should happen or why it should happen and how but let's go back to user stories because I think uh, this is also a point that's very con uh, controversial yeah so I actually want to because okay we agreed on I can your see the look of point. your face <laughs> convince me on your second point let's have our battle now oh, user yeah. stories by engineer So let's address to a user story being mostly like an interaction or a behavior either of a software or like a, a interaction of a user with the you know the front end with the platform. Basically, the like, user perspective. Yeah, for me, like I click here, this does that. That can entail some back end work, some front end work, some design work, whatever. Uh, holistically speaking, um, but yeah. This is more what a user story usually looks like. So as a user, I want to do this so I can do get that uh, to have that value. Usually it has some background acceptance criteria where basically, uh, hopefully you have that in a user story. <laughs> Not always it was the case in companies that I work for. But yes. anyway, uh, you should aspire to have that before you start working on the user story uh, to, to actually do the development. So the acceptance criteria would determine when these things happen, so when I do this, then I get that, and that happens, and if this, then that, um, on a very basic level that anyone can read and understand and test, whether it's automated or not, doesn't matter. But once you go through the scenario that is written out clearly, then you know you have achieved or not achieved your task. And um, the, the most common uh, saying is that, you know, a product owner writes tickets, and there are courses for that, and I even done like, uh, you know, a, a scrum product or certification uh, in London, like a couple of years back. Yeah, and it says, you know, a product owner writes this, but, and this is a huge but, yeah, it's my responsibility to manage this, but you should write it too. And this is where things get very con uh, controversial. So when I uh, say to developers, um, yeah, I just wrote, you know, the main idea and yeah, let's write this together. Or how about you write the acceptance criteria? And then they're like, isn't this your job? <laughs> so maybe you can uh, <laughs> tell me where this is coming from. I honestly want you to convince me because currently my response is, isn't this your job? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send it back to you. Is it? I mean, maybe I'll challenge you. Like, I, I have a reason for why, but maybe let, let's try to think this over together. Why shouldn't you write acceptance criteria? Why do you think I should do that? From well, your perspective. There is a, a separation of the role. And for example, if product is doing the research, product is basically the, talking to marketing if you have them, mm -hmm. talking to design if you have that in, in your company, talking to um, user experience, which is similar to design, but a different faculty of yeah, that. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, it's, maybe it's a different episode that we should have. Um, and talks to the business side, talk whatever, user specifically. And gets all the information. So product, because of the fact that it's a cog in the system, understand all the ins and outs mm -hmm. and understand what needs to be done. So it, I find it to be more logical that once someone gather requirements for different 
positions, different perspectives, different yeah. people can actually take this entire information from all those different lanes and just mm -hmm. be able to refine them into user stories that are understandable for the engineers. Right. And for this, I think we, well, we both agree on that. And this is like the pure definition and maybe a big part of the product owner's role is to actually get the overview from everyone and understand what we're trying to do and make sure that it's going in the right direction um, and then write it up in a way that brings value, you know, so we do yeah. the right things that are appropriate and would, would help us and, and, you know, in very simple words. But why should I only me, why should I only write the acceptance criteria? Why not you? Why not a developer? Shouldn't a developer know what we're trying to achieve? Shouldn't they have context? Shouldn't they care? Maybe that's, again, a problem that we need to address. Like if, I would say, if there are acceptance criteria and there are epics and the product doesn't have the time and the effort, then it's on the product and the engineering manager to get the developers engaged. And the way to get them engaged is to actually tell them the vision, the goal, what we're working on, to bring context into what they do. But Why should it only be when we don't have time? I have plenty of time. This should still happen. <laughs> okay, then let me know why you think like that. Because, again, if you have plenty of time, and developers. Well, I don't, but let's assume. Yeah, I, I, I've never met a product with a plenty, with plenty <laughs> no, of time. No, we have zero. <laughs> but if you have some time, and the developers, th their expertise is to actually just deliver packages. That, and for me, developers is even not the right word. Engineers, because they engineer solutions. Like mm -hmm. they, they get a solution, and they need to engineer a way that this solution would work, would scale, and even would be easier to kind of shape later. So they need to think about different ins and outs of the user perspective a lot of the time. Right, and that's exactly actually where my opinion of why you should write those, or at least be able to, uh, comes in because you said, not a developer, but an engineer, and you're solving a problem and talking about scaling. And actually, if you are aware of the context of what we're doing, um, maybe you don't need to make sure it scales for the first version. Maybe you um, understand fully why we're trying to do something or what the user or the end user who you know, who would click the clicks is trying to do or get out of this. And you would have a different solution then because there is a big difference from uh, uh, me writing a task and then handing it over and people understanding what they need to technically do. So how it should look like uh, and then executing it and just making it. And I could be very happy with that. But I'm even more happy, and I think everyone uses their time better when we as a team talk about what we're trying to achieve. So if I write an acceptance criteria in advance and people write it and it's clear, usually they just say, all right, it's clear, let's estimate how much work that is, and then you can prioritize if we do it or not, and that's fine. But when I leave that part blank or incomplete, you have to use your head and you have to ask, why are we doing this? What exactly are you trying to achieve? Is there an edge case here? Um, should this scale, is this the right solution? And I think, um, <clears throat> sorry, I think uh, sometimes when I go into estimation or grooming meetings uh, with an idea of something, people assume I have all of the information because I'm the product owner and I should have all the information that anyone had ever had on a certain topic. But actually, I find that even though I do understand the business and come with business goals and perspective and looking at it from a curious perspective and time management perspective and user interface and all those expertise, there is a lot of input that can come from the IT team of how could this work? Is there a framework or you know a technical solution that can enable something that's similar to that but gives more value or more flexibility? And that can actually change what we, we should be doing. Aren't you describing grooming sessions right now? That's interesting enough because, um, because yes, <laughs> but traditionally, um, maybe ideally this is what it should be. But in many companies that, you know, use agile methods like out of the box, this is not what this is necessarily. It's more like, so what are, is the, I've been asked like, okay, so as a user, I want to do this to get that. What do you want to see in the acceptance criteria? What should we make? Mm -hmm. The question is not what should we make that I want us to make, is what makes sense. And this is where I want the engineers to be a part of the conversation and say, you know, actually if the user is trying to download something uh, and this and this should happen, 
we can do it in another way that enables them to also do this and that, which maybe I have not thought of. Yeah, sounds perfect. Sounds like a grooming session. It sounds like that one meeting that engineers hate to go to, sadly. But, right. <laughs> but happens once a week or two. So why do you hate that? Um, I think it's not that... engineers well we're general we're bit, generalizing right yeah, yeah. And we're we generalizing but... it maybe a bit of a, like a rough and a word but uh, maybe yeah since this is a conversation exactly about that to understand the other perspectives yeah. maybe tell me uh, why maybe some engineers come with you know a feeling of not necessarily wanting to participate or with a heavy feeling let's call it like going into those meetings yeah sure um, first of all some engineers, Don't like meetings right they feel like those meetings are just basically there and and the context switches are really difficult when you're looking at a piece of code and you've had in your head a structure because in the end that's what we do we create structures yeah. and then someone takes you out of that it's really difficult to go back in mm. it's really difficult to figure out where you were and I'm not saying it is what it is as I said processes are necessary evil because if you don't have that then you have chaos yeah um, But less predictability exactly for a context switching first yeah and and in the end we're trying to basically integrate the minimum amount of context switching some engineers don't like the context switches which is normal um, mm-hmm. and if we go into a meeting for example and we have a context switch it's also it's very common that some engineers that are going to the grooming meeting they don't know that product specifically some mm-hmm. teams are structured in a way where there is there are two people working on one product and The other are working on two products, but then we invite the entire team. So I would say, and I'll give like also a kind of shout out to Engineer X, where I work at currently, mm-hmm. that came up with a different type of grooming session where we call it story writing, where a specific engineer goes to that one, and it's not the entire team, and the, that specific engineer works with the product person, the product manager where, it, where I work, it's called product manager, yeah. um, and they sit together with... And they figure out those things exactly. So in the end, the product manager still writes the acceptance. My assumption is, and this is an assumption, um, mm-hmm. they write it in that room together. Mm-hmm. They basically write the acceptance criteria together and then it comes to the planning. Um, and that makes more sense because that specific engineer, for example, is always changing because it's the right person for the right grooming mm-hmm. and it doesn't, It doesn't add the extra layer of context switches and that's why engineers don't like it because if you take someone and you say okay there's a necessary context switch like a daily as much as engineers they once in a while they kind of complain about those things most engineers that I met are happy with the daily they're happy with the daily because they understand that's a necessary context switch mm-hmm. so you can say from like the inner circle that actually even if they seem unhappy usually um, that it's a uh, it's beneficial yeah as a manager as a manager for example you It happens to me a lot that people complain about one-on-ones and then if I need to cancel the one-on-one I get complaints for canceling the one-on-one <laughs> yeah and it comes from the same person who's complaining of having a context switch with the one-on-one well it's very human I guess yeah it is I do the same thing so it's it's all good it's just mean but if there is a one-on-one and a person goes to the one-on-one with a context switch and then I don't provide what that person needs mm-hmm. then that's an annoying context switch and right. I feel like grooming sessions are very overly shaped or overly done if you invite an entire team to talk about something but most of the team don't know which is normal if you take apart take it you talk about that the product manager or product owner owns the product usually engineers they are focused on features and sometimes they understand one but not the other they understand mm-hmm. the vision of one and not the other so maybe it's right to do what engineer X at our well, organization I, suggested yeah. which is having a story writing one-on-one. It's interesting you, you bring that up because actually I've, I've had that experience. I'm currently working with a team that we recently realized that this is also a solution for us. So when we decide to go into a very specific topic that would take a while you know to figure out or where it's not completely clarified all in advance, but it's strategically important for us, then we just kind of offer it up uh, yeah. and stand up but also in chat so everyone's involved and have the opportunity and say, We're going to be working on this for a while who wants to be like and we call it a focal point basically mm-hmm. and then it's a focal point for me to know that if I need to like you know in quotation interrupt someone yeah uh, then it's that person and not everyone uh, but also it means that if people have any input around that then of course they can talk to whoever they want but they should share that opinion with that person so 
they become like a, you know a bucket of knowledge for this and, and have an overview from that perspective um, and also for my role I find that it's much easier to um, engage one person in a conversation about what we're trying to do uh, and that's uh, way more beneficial than trying to do it with a you know a full team even if it's a small team because I also feel that uh, that creates an opportunity of um, responsibility yeah so if you're the one person who's responsible to present um, yeah the engineers and you can have an effect of what you would do later on and that comes with the responsibility but also with an opportunity to actually make things happen change the perspective of how I see things and actually influence the end product so what we would make and that's kind of wonderful maybe this is something that, and this is something I haven't read actually a lot so it's interesting you say that it happened with you uh, now I see that it happened in my company and I have a friend who actually told me something quite similar that happened organically and not like a process thing but Maybe it's, yeah, it's a natural way to, to grow into this. Yeah, I think it's, it's a natural way of progression. But I'm still not convinced that in the end, the end game is that engineers would write the user stories. So what if I told you that in the company that I currently work for, engineers do write user stories? I would say that maybe in that specific case, it makes sense. How come? What um, do you mean? I think maybe the terms that you have in your current company mm-hmm. allow that to happen, and in others they don't and for me this question is not a yes or a no and that's why I'm resisting to that mm-hmm. I think so it's a qualitative thing obviously yes and I think for example where I currently work the setup with that we have where there's a meeting with our feature lead mm-hmm. we call it a navigator we have this journey model thing mm-hmm. the person who's actually going into the story writing with the product he that person he or she they understand that features and they can represent the team the best way And in that meeting, they talk about the ins and outs. They clarify whatever they need. Most likely, they write the user stories within that session. But if not, the product could actually fill in the gaps where needed. Yeah. And we're done. And that's more helpful for my setup currently than actually all engineers will be kind of like, okay, yeah, we these are the epics. Fill in the blanks now, which doesn't yeah, well, work. This is not the case where, you know, how I work it's it's maybe a, like a very uh, extreme example which I see where you're getting extreme at examples, though. yeah of course <laughs> uh, but we also want to talk about the day-to-day and maybe then to clarify yeah so when I say engineers write the user stories I don't mean they fully create them on their own fill them up take them to grooming and estimation and I'm completely not involved sometimes they come to me and they say you know maybe we should do that sometimes it's a technical task and sometimes it's not and when it's a technical task yeah sure they write it up Uh, again with a purpose and maybe a bit of more information so it's readable for someone who's not them necessarily like me <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be nice um, that sounds lovely yeah uh, but also um, if they have an idea of something that you know that I should write I encourage them to just like make a ticket maybe assign it to me add some information what they should be uh, the acceptance criteria um, um, and just add a couple of lines even if they're not completely figured out and And that's again like a stepping stone for a conversation uh, in other cases I create the user stories but either from lack of time or again from wanting to have a conversation I don't fill in the complete thing so maybe we have some background we have like an intention of what we're trying to do here a user story and then a couple of notes and we either write the acceptance criteria together within like the grooming session or you know with that focal point or that I write some of it and I actually you There were also cases when I wrote the acceptance criteria and then someone took in that ticket and said, "You know what? I think it should actually be extended to this and that." Yeah. Um, and in that case, I sometimes I would write it if it's complex or have you know various cases that should be resolved and covered. Um, but also uh, if it's something simple, I very much encourage them and they said, "You can just change it up because you know the system, you're already working on it. We have agreed verbally on the solution in a general way. And I trust you enough that you understand what we're trying to do since we've had that conversation and you understand the goal to actually decide on that interaction. And I feel uh, in the past, I w- was getting complaints over this, like, why should I write it? Why should I make the decision that every decision come, should come from you, which is kind of micromanaging. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, first, I don't like it, but um, I could see why people would want that uh, visibility or like knowing exactly what they should do so they can just do it or not uh, so it's very clear it's easy um, to manage but uh, 
I think when people start to, usually that indicates a lack of knowing what we're trying to achieve, like behind the scenes. Yes. When they do know and they're on board and they actually care, um, then they would be super happy and they would like think of those cases and be happy to influence them. Because if they understand the end goal, then they can, you know, I'm not the only person in the company who can describe a behavior. Everyone can. We're all people. We're all potential users eventually. Yeah, definitely. I totally, totally agree with you. Um, seems like we're more in agreement here than we actually thought. Yeah, I guess uh, it's a lot of these things are uh, the conflicts around terms or maybe expectations about what things should be. So when I say you write a user story, maybe I don't mean, you know, the whole thing end to end, but I expect you to participate and maybe kind of bring it to the surface uh, of why people don't want to do that. And understand from your perspective, which actually you really enriched that part, that point of view of like why you know people don't like it, mm-hmm. and there are specific things you can do, like exactly um, make sure that people understand the goal, which is definitely part of the product owner's role. So if people in the room don't know why we're doing things, definitely my bad. So I should work on that. It's hard, by the way, to get people of to course. be even interested in why we're doing things, which is a lot of informal work. Uh, but when we get there, it's it's much more easier to have those conversations. But maybe even and the practical part of like context switching or feeling that not everyone in the team should be there, then there are practical things to take here, like a focal point or a feature, how do you call it? I said feature lead, but we call it navigator. Navigator, feature lead, focal point. So something that makes sense. And when you do it with an agreement with the team, then it, it could be nice. You know, it could be one or two people and that reduces the, the, the workload and uh, allows more uh, expertise and focus. Um, but also even, I guess, if we come to a grooming session and that's in the middle of the day, um, which means people have needed to stop what they're doing, including me, by the way, um, and do this, uh, this meeting, then maybe it's even like nice to take notice of that and allow people to just get into the meeting and become focused. I mean, if they're grumpy, maybe it's not because they don't want to participate. <laughs> maybe it's just because... They have a lot of their mind and they don't want to forget things. So to allow that time to start the meeting properly, which uh, I guess from my perspective is something that, you know, product to product kind of talks about it where we're managing our time really, you know, everything is very scarce, as you said. And we know like product people don't have time. We have zero time all the time, even if we manage it correctly. So we go into a meeting and want to like produce the best, but maybe it's best to like, give people uh, five minutes to, if they have something in their mind, to just write it up or make sure people are prepared and like um, in their mind, you know, their mind is decluttered to kind of start the session before we do. Yeah. So everyone's attention is, is in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we agreed on it. Then. Yeah, I guess I kind of summarized from my uh, viewpoint, like what I could take from this. Maybe you can kind of yeah. do the same. Okay, so I think I'll try to keep this short. Yeah. My summary is the concept of a product team or a feature team is a better concept. We all work together for the same goal. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to keep everyone involved. It means if we make technical decisions that would affect the product, then we should let the product person know. And if the product needs the or wants engagement from the technical team, the product should actually keep the technical team informed of what's going on, the vision. And it's difficult, but that's the case. I would say context switching are difficult. Yeah. And maybe there are other ways to actually handle that. I actually love the way that we handle it where I work currently. And in the end, in the end, in the end, don't be dogmatic. Like the answer should engineers write user stories. I immediately said, whoa. whoa. Um, yeah, even you. And we talk about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was dogmatic about the no. But then once we actually re- realized, and you said, you were like, yes. But then we realized that we actually mean the same thing, which is, we want people to be engaged. We want yeah. people to work together. And so th- there is no yes and no, probably. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And that's something that fits the needs of whatever, whoever is listening right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to set the expectations of it like, more clearly. Yeah, like, for example, if there is an organization, I, I would assume, I, don't, I never worked in a really big place, but if there is an organization where the product manager's role is to write user stories, that's mm-hmm. the definition of the role because there is another head of product that does the other work and the team the engineering team are working on a very large scale product that comes with a lot of texting code base yeah. 
Yeah. Then that's where I would say probably they don't have time. Probably there is a clear separation of roles and those things won't work. If you work in a very dynamic startup, which is more my experience, I would say, then conversations and actually just talking to people and figuring out while you're talking is a better solution. And then engagement is easier because it's really easy to explain a vision of a product that is one year, one year old and it's basically like, hey, we're trying to figure this out. Then, I don't know, you work for like a 20,000 yeah. people company. Go explain the vision of that. Like, I'm pretty sure the product person doesn't have the vision as well. But it's kind of funny that you say that because um, that's actually one of the goals, I think, uh, in a product owner's role in a big company. Because, uh, yeah, these things are separated and it's not as easy as in startup. I mean, startup have, you know, their pros and cons. And, yeah. But one that's of a different the, episode we should have because yeah, you have, like, experience in a humongous. In various, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You have more variety in your experience yeah, in than mine. Yeah, big companies, medium size, and, like, very small ones. But yeah. uh, uh, point being is that... Uh, Actually, just to add to that, not trying to you know take away from the summary, but um, that uh, that communication is still very important, uh, even if you're in uh, separated teams, and even if it is only the product owner who would write those stories and make the tasks. Yeah, then the uh, somehow the teams should create that opportunity for that type of conversation when when they're being written, because otherwise you create this big machine again of someone who's writing and someone who's executing and there is no real conversation in between and you lose a lot of potential there yep i agree yeah so i think that was a very lovely first episode yeah well i hope everyone uh, you know thinks that way and maybe you can tune in for our next one yeah and um comment um if you want to or not i don't know if you have anything that you actually want to write to us we will yeah or ask yeah. we're happy to, to yeah. receive those feel too. free to just basically poke us um on the comment section i guess ask questions and if you have suggestions for things you actually want us to talk about yeah that's a good suggest idea. that as well and we can actually add that to our episode as as you see it's unscripted so we were actually while talking about this we had ideas for other episodes we can have yeah, let us know if you like any of those. Or uh... Yeah, I just also want to say that I feel less of a dumpster fire right now than <laughs> when I started the episode. It's so. kind of nice when you do something that energy, like that yeah. you like it energizes you. I woke you. up! <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> All right, well, I guess uh, then we will see you next time. Yeah, or probably you will hear us next time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.